The customer experience should be as blurry as possible. I reckon it's better to watch a lion in the wild. Businesses that think the answer is don't change. I think you're fucked. Welcome to Add to Cart, the podcast that Express delivers all you need to know in the fast-moving world of e-commerce. Every month, Nathan Bush from 12 High and an e-commerce industry expert will share the news, research and insights that you need to know to keep you at the top of your game. And of course, keep your customers adding to cart. Hello there and welcome to the Add to Cart podcast. My name is Nathan Bush, host of Add to Cart and strategist at e-commerce consultancy 12 High. In today's episode, we are discussing something that is very close to my heart, which is customer insights and creativity. How do we get to the real truth behind why customers do what they do? And how do we connect with them on an emotional level? Joining me today is the legendary Matt Newell, who is a partner and CEO at The General Store, who specialize in retail strategy and innovation. They're actually an agency, not a retail store, by the way. Like myself, Matt has a background in advertising and has always seen the world through the customer's lens. And it's seen in his work. The General Store has helped retailers such as Freedom, Super Cheap Auto, and one of this show's favorites, The Iconic, deliver really memorable and differentiated retail experiences across all touchpoints. Our conversation today explores the lessons from these experiences, as well as shining a spotlight on retailers such as Lush and Walmart, who are really performing at the next level in terms of retail experiences. Before we get into our conversation, I've just got a couple of warnings. This was recorded pre-COVID, so and that leads us into our second point, uh, which we recorded this in the lobby of the Pullman Hotel at Inside Retail Live, you know, back when you could go to conferences. So, please forgive the random phone calls and the elevators in the background. No coughing, thankfully. There are also a couple of F-bombs dropped, so just in case you have some budding retailers listening with you, be warned. Now, thanks to our partners Shopify Plus and Klarna, let's dive straight into customer insights with Matt Newell. Hello, Matt. G'day. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Mate, we are at Inside Retail Live and you've just come off stage with Michael Fox telling the story of um, Shoes of Prey, Mm. the ups and downs and Mm. and the lessons out of that. How'd you find it? Mm, Good. Yeah, it was good. I mean, props to Mike. I think that was his first live interview post the um, winding up of Shoes of Prey. And yeah, I think great, you know, to of him to sort of share his learnings and his stories, you know, there's, there's, everyone talks about the successes, but there's so many learnings in the hard side of business and retail. So I thought he shared really, um, you know, generously and yeah, I thought it was a good sesh. It was very honest. Yeah, it was, it was (laughs) good on him. Yeah. But also you were honest too. Yeah. I think because your relationship with him goes back a fair way as well, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, met him at Super Cheap Auto where Ah. effectively you and I met. That's right. Um, So yeah, he's sort of a super retail group alumni, much like yourself. Yeah. True. Well, off the cuff, my favorite quote from you (laughs) in that, in, in that keynote was around, you said, we, as in the general store, were the only ones to make money out of Shoes of Prey, which was a bit cheeky. And I don't think you saw it as controversial as everyone else saw it. But it was fantastic. I loved it. Uh, yeah, it's probably true. Yeah, I don't know. but <laughs> Now, mate, we are here to talk about um, memorable physical yeah. retail experiences yeah. because the general store as an agency um, has a lot to do across all areas of retail mm. and been particularly impressed by how you've been able to transform a lot of retailers, retailers, especially more traditional retailers, mm. to have mm. physical experiences that were really memorable. Mm. Mm. Before we get into that, can you give us a 
bit of background, a little bit of kind of flavour on what the general story is, a bit about yourself. Because yeah. I remember the first time I met you, mm. um, it was a presentation around the psychology of yeah. shopping as well. So mm. um, you've got a really deep background here. So can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and the general story? Yeah, yeah. So I grew up um, in the strategy department of ad agencies. And I always thought there was a flaw in that model, which was basically like no matter what the client's problem was, the answer was always an ad. You know, so there's this like problem there, I think, with consulting businesses that specialize by discipline. And so that's why I started the general store. It was like, what if you could do the complete opposite of that? Instead of specializing by discipline, we specialize by market sector, which is retail. And then we offer all the services that retail marketing people need. So they need strategy work done. They need um, brand identity or naming. They need stores designed, um, advertising campaigns, products, packaging design, loyalty programs. So that's what the general store does really. And and sometimes clients, uh, our projects touch all of those areas. Sometimes it might be one or two, but, but, or sometimes it's even none, like it might just be a research model. But what I'm interested in is that we could stitch together a more interesting set of answers than if you were just a discipline um, specific kind of offer. Makes sense. Yeah. And I think it's something that's really needed, especially to help retailers reimagine what life can be Mm. because sometimes it's so easy to get bogged down in Mm. the I've got to hit this target and this is the way we've always done business and what I've seen from you and your and your team is the ability to really shake things up but also take people on that journey it's Mm. not just about presenting Mm. flashy Mm. advertising agency Mm. ideas Mm. Mm. you actually bring them to life as well yeah 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 and I think too I think it's useful for retailers because we still do, especially large retailers, have very siloed kinds of businesses and the, the digital technology people don't talk enough to the store people or the product people or the marketing people or whatever. Um, so we're big fans of bringing all those pieces together. And my view is that the customer experience should be as blurry as possible. People should walk in and go, I mean, I think the best experiences are you don't know if they're an ad, they're a store, um, it's a loyalty play. Like, the, the blurrier, the better. And I think, because consu- real humans, let's not even call them customers, like humans don't experience things in those silos. They want no. the full thing. So that's really, I think, what the G-Store is about is to try and help people bring it all together in a seamless kind of way. That's brilliant. Yeah. And I read a quote uh, from NRF, um, and I can't remember who did it, and I'll put it in the show notes, mm. but it was something like, I've never heard a customer refer to our store as a channel. Yeah. In fact, I've never actually heard yeah. a customer use the word channel. Channel, yeah, true. Um, true. We use it all the time, right? True, true. So it's interesting, uh, jumping in on that, I think yeah. that language is important. I'm a big advocate of us in the business using less MBA kind of language, yep. less management language and more human language. I agree. Let's stop talking about channels and let's talk i even think let's stop talking about customers let's talk about humans <laughs> and how can we create great human experiences that's yeah. so true because retail is one of those industries isn't it where we all experience it mm. whereas if you're in say mining mm. Mm. not everyone's been in mining before yeah. but everyone coming yeah. into retail and that's why you find so many people coming from retail backgrounds mm. coming all the way through mm. Into, mm. into corporate or wherever they end up starting their own businesses everyone has an inane sense of what a good retail experience is mm. because we all experience it in our day-to-day lives. Mm. Mm. It's not removed from mm. what we do. So I think your call-out around mm. it's just a human experience mm. is so true. And what's interesting is I find that in boardrooms that somehow we flip into a different part of our brains which are incredibly smart, incredibly logical and incredibly unrealistic in terms of how we actually 
all behave in the real world. Mm. Um, and I think that's super interesting and in that I think we miss tricks in, mm. that, in that sort of mental dexterity that doesn't happen. You know, if we can get back into just, you know, the mindset of the way people consume in the real world, it's far more interesting and powerful. So true. So how do you, as a strategist, mm. get into that mindset? We heard from um, Michael with his new... Um, plant meat business yeah uh, plant-based meat fable fable yeah that his research and one of his big lessons was about he now just goes into the supermarkets and watch people as mm. they assess all the options in mm. front of them in mm. front of that and, and then approaches them and go hey mm. why did you choose this one over this one mm. Mm. and one of the his key lessons to come out of the shoes of prey experiment is what people say they're going to do mm. versus what they actually what they do actually do it's there's a big difference and you know, there is a there is a thing in in psychology which is the way that the, the brain operates in terms of when we verbalise things, it uses the rational part of our brain, and so our brains are wired to sound smart. And but the reality is, we do things for very emotional reasons. So what Michael found was when he spoke to women um, and said, "Would you be interested in a website where you could customise your own shoes? You could get any shoe you wanted." they would verbally go, yes, I would be. Like, that's what they identified with. But the reality was that, that they wouldn't do it. It was overwhelming. It was intimidating. Um, it was sort of difficult to do. But that was harder stuff to verbalise and mm. harder stuff to rationalise. So I do think that consumer research can be very dangerous. Some obvious stuff can come out of research that can actually steer you in the wrong direction. At worst, steer you in the wrong direction, but at best kind of not reveal the really powerful um, like human insight. So that's one area when we're in research I re- I'm really obsessed with is what is the, the real human insight. And honestly, sometimes it doesn't even come out of research and you need to sit down with the client at that point and kind of go, this is what people have said, but mm. this is what we think is the real emotional driver. And it's hard to justify that. So you need kind of brave people who are willing to go off paste walk away from research sometimes and go, here's the real insight and this this feels right, let's back that one. Because it can be dangerous not to. It can be dangerous to go off piece, but sometimes it's dangerous not to go off piece as well. If you're not selling direct-to-consumer, you run the risk of leaving your brand's future in the hands of your retail distribution partners. D2C is a hot topic with some of the benefits, including the ability to build your own brand, own the customer relationship, and leverage data to create a unique and lucrative customer experience. And there's no one that knows more about selling direct-to-consumer than our partner Shopify Plus. Luckily, they've put together a free direct-to-consumer guide which teaches you how to start selling direct and even take on Amazon. Visit Shopify Plus dot online forward slash DTC to download your copy today. So if we talk about some of the more traditional methods that you use in terms of customer research, yeah. I'm assuming there's things like data analytics, out of Google Analytics, yeah. footfall, yeah. sales numbers, all that yeah. quantitative yeah. piece. I hear you do some kind of... Um, customer focus groups yeah 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 is there anything else that you do to try and paint that picture before you get to the point where you go i'm not sure we're getting the full picture yeah yeah so traditionally there are two types of research quant and qual 
um, qual, qualitative research being more sort of psychology and insight based and quant being more um, measurable. And so, yeah, for the quant stuff, like you say, you can use all those digital tools you were talking about, online surveys, things like that. For the qual, we can use um, focus groups is the traditional kind of qual method. My view, though, is I always add one other element. I prioritise this element over all other forms of research. Um, and that is to try and do some level of observational research. So be in store, try and watch, you know, 30, 40 people shop a category or shop an entire store. We'll often add to that um, intercept interviews. Um, that's a little bit like doing a focus group and it's got its pros and cons, but um, my view is because you're in the wild, you know, like mm. you're there and it's closer to the, re- the reality. And sometimes they'll say things that you've just observed they've done the opposite and that's sometimes where you can get the real mm. nugget. But I kind of, you know, there's that, that notion. Is, is that literally stopping people yeah. in the real world and yeah. going, hey, I'm Matt, I'm from X. Yeah. Do you even say where you're from or do you just... Yeah, well, some, well, you kind of morally have to, I think. But <laughs> usually people are pretty open to chat. Yeah. There are some categories. We, we did some work once in women's swimwear. And so, like, I couldn't be the one <laughs> observing women shop for swimwear and then intercept them afterwards, but fortunately have female <laughs> members of our team who could, who could do a good job of that. Very wise choice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think that's where kind of, like, the big opportunities are, mm. um, is to kind of look for that. Get as close to reality as possible. I mean, I always refer to focus groups. It's like watching a lion at a zoo, you know. I, I reckon it's better to watch a lion in the wild, and that's what... Um, observational and intercept interviews, it's closer to being mm. in the wild and you can get better insights that way. Yeah, mm. I love that quote you referred to um, up there was around the best research tool that you mm. can have mm. is comfortable walking shoes. Comfy shoes, Comfy definitely. Shoes. Definitely really believe that. It's yeah. fantastic and I, yeah. and I think we see that so much in retail too where we get comfortable behind our desks and we yeah. rely on mm. what we can see in mm. social media mm. or in Google Analytics or wherever yeah. and we go, this is painting the picture. Yeah. But nothing beats actually... That's right. I do think it's got its role. It's not Absolutely. like one or the other. No. But strategy by Google is um, an epidemic. Yeah. You know, and got to get out from behind the desk and go and walk stores for yeah. sure. Yeah. So say from you've got all that quantitative and qualitative data that yeah. you've been able to gather and you have this gut feeling mm. that you still haven't cracked the real inside mm. ear that's mm. going to differentiate it for your customers. Do you have a process around how you kind of formulate those insights to bring back to a retailer mm, to make mm, them change mm, their ways? Mm. It's a very good question. <laughs> and and um, I think my, my, my starting point is to not trust um, the research. So that is my starting point. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'm proven wrong, but I, I would say very rarely, but, but there are occasions where actually the answer was there and, mm-hmm. and that's useful. So my starting assumption is there's got to be a deeper insight. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's an important starting point. Mm. From there, though, it's really, um, you know, intellect and imagination mm. and questioning and using the brain, man, like mm. like not, not using other people to tell you, but get in there and think it through and try and find it. And sometimes, you know, I would like to think that normally there might be three to five hypotheses that start to come crystallize in your mind and then you can hunt them down mm. and see sometimes, you know, if, if one's stronger than the other or one's just blatantly wrong or... Um, but really you're looking for the best one or two insights that are going to guide you. And I think that's where you can see retailers with a bit of X factor that kind of got to that level, I think. And this isn't a new concept, right? Because Mm. ad agencies have been kind of doing Mm. this for years, is that Mm. ad agencies have whole creative teams Mm. which 
are often, mm. not always, but mm. often trying to stay away from data so that mm. they can let their creative brains run mm. wild mm. and think about human behaviour and mm. how they might be able to interrupt or mm. influence that behaviour mm. with new ways. So mm. I think applying that to retail is something that's overlooked and, and it's fantastic mm. that you've got a way to do that. Mm. Because that's one piece. One piece is having that insight. The next part is convincing retailers mm. to make that change. Mm. Mm. And it's um, often we kind of get stuck in cycles as retailers and, you know, change is always hard. Mm. What have you found to be some of the best ways to introduce new ideas, mm. especially radical ideas, mm. Um, mm. to retailers for mm. them to at least start considering? Mm. Mm. Well, I mean, that's an interesting question because largely when they've invited us into their business, their, 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 that, that, their mindset is already there. So yeah. I, w- I would say we don't find it that difficult to mm. get those interesting um, conversations happening. But there is certainly, I think, two types of retailers out there, which is basically the confident ones and the low confident ones. And um, the high confident ones uh, usually have some ambition and will we'll <laughs> jump on those opportunities. The low confidence ones, um, you know, they might be risk adverse, right? And so there um, you can frame up that, yes, it can be risky to change, it can be risky to try a new thing, but it's also very risky not to change. And so sometimes exploring the angle of not changing, like commercially exploring that, I mean, mm-hmm. um, versus um, commercially exploring a new idea um, can lay out a pretty clear path. Yep. Yeah. And which retail, which, what type of retailers do you see as a ripe? for introducing new ideas. So if you get briefs of certain types of retailers, are there yeah. any that you kind of, not naming specific yeah, names, yeah. but you go, or is it better if a retailer's sales are declining? Are they more yeah. open to new ideas? Or, hey, they're on a growth path yeah. and expansion. Yeah. Is that a better time to introduce new so ideas? Interesting <laughs> question, Nathan. But I, I, my view is that I, I go in with a relatively high level of optimism yep. on any of those sorts of projects that people will be up for it. Yep. Um, and you've got the track record to show it. So I think yeah, that- and I think, yeah, I mean, we're at a point where we've got good work out there. And so people are hiring us for that. So yep. I think it's a little bit easier. Yeah. yeah. But but for pe- those people who we're not dealing with, mm. for example, I mean, I, I just do think that, that I mean, con- consumers, humans change frequently. Yep. The way that we consume everything is changing. Yep. And for retail businesses that think the answer is don't change, I think you're fucked. Yep. Like, so I don't know. Those those people don't reach out to us so much, but um, but maybe they should. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So let's talk about let's talk about innovative retail then. Mm. Have you got any retailers in your mind who mm. are doing a, a fantastic job um, at being innovative, at constantly changing yeah. with their customers yeah. as they change? I think that I mean it's easy to comment and and retail a mm. bash right yeah. and you know it's from sitting on the sidelines it's always yep. easy to comment on who can do better but I think there are people doing there you know, is really really good work we you and I were just in a session mm. then at Inside Retail Live um, uh, listening to um, uh, Peter from Lush talk yep. about her business I mean that is a phenomenally like creatively led customer focused business and it's it's a business that. Um, really shouldn't be as successful as it is. They sell bath bombs. Who the fuck needs a bath bomb? <laughs> right. But these guys inspire yeah. through their creativity, their execution, their, their team who are, who are so, so drunk the Kool-Aid yeah. that um, they've inspired 
millions of people all around the world, an Australian concept, amazing, all around the world, yeah. um, to buy bath bombs. But know, amongst other um, soaps and yeah, amazing of course. Yeah. And even on the soaps and things, the, the, the stuff that we actually need, there's a B, I'm making it up, three, four, five times the price. Mm. Like, you don't need that soap, but they are doing an incredible job of inspiring people to shop a category that we don't need to shop. But so, a brilliant example, I think. They're also unapologetic about it, right? Yeah. So, a couple of examples that they gave um, was around um, what they stand for, that they actively campaign mm. politically yeah. um, for some of the things that they believe in as yeah. an organisation, and they're unapologetic about mm. that. They, mm. they know that they'll alienate a certain amount of people, yeah. but they'll actually embrace a whole bunch yeah. more, and that'll, that'll stick to them a lot. I think that's that thing we were talking about before, about just being human. Mm. The worst thing you can be is corporate you know no one wants to no one's inspired by a corporate kind of experience um and so they're just being human and authentic Mm. and yeah look i mean they've probably got um conceivably i mean all the campaigns i've seen them do i've really have share their personal values but if they did one that i didn't personally agree with i would still like respect them it just feels human you know i'd still Mm. respect them for having a point of view and for going for it so i think we're too timid of um you know a, a vocal minority mm. you know that that you know you've got a vocal you'll have a vocal minority a vocal uh that, that are negative a vocal minority that are massively mm. supportive but the vast majority in the middle are just going to enjoy the ride and enjoy the dialogue and and we don't hear from them no but there's great business and great humans in there too that we can deal with so i think that comes down to that human thing like just yeah. be human be passionate be interesting yes. and um, and that is also... Engaged. It's attractive. Yeah, yeah. it's attractive. Mm. It's attractive for your customers, but it's also your team. And, mm. and Peter was actually saying in there, she said, um, our team actually get upset with us mm. if we aren't passionate enough or vocal enough mm. about on some of issues. our causes yeah, on, yeah, on issues. So right. I was like, it's just, it kind of breeds mm. through, through the mm. whole ecosystem, doesn't it? Yeah, and she's just done a great example, I think, of creating a bit of a movement that people are passionate about. And like, think about that for a second. It's fucking soap. How did she create a movement that people are so passionate about? And it's just around soap and bath bombs. Yeah. I mean, it's genius. And, and so my answer there is like, yes, that is great retail. Yes. And we, we need more of that. Yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. Any other retailers you're seeing doing it really well here in Australia? Oh, gosh. I know, I'll put you on the spot yeah, there. Yeah, and I'm terrible, I'm terrible at these sorts of questions. No, and, that's okay. But one, I mean, one thing that I kind of find interesting is that I do think that there are two types of retailer mm-hmm. that need to be celebrated. There is the efficient, like the Amazon, the Woolworths, the, you know, we, we do want to consume that low cost, mm-hmm. big range, Bunnings, mm-hmm. you know, low cost, big range, um, super efficient kind of retail experience. We definitely want that. Mm-hmm. But for any retailer that's not out there to be the cheapest and the most convenient, mm-hmm then you need to have an amazing experience. Mm. So there's only two types of retail, I think. There's the high experience or the high convenience. And if you're not going to be winning on price, you need to be high winning on experience. And so, yes. yeah, I think Lush is an example of that. Amazon, an example of super high, high convenient, low-cost kind of retail. Um, but, yeah, there are lots in that space. Yeah. Do you think that they could both come under customer experience? Because I yeah. think... A lot of the times when we talk customer experience, we go, oh, you want to come in and we'll get you a nice drink, we'll sit you down, we'll spend 20 minutes showing mm. you through the product range and we think that's a good product, yeah. a good customer experience. Mm. And for sure, it is for some customers, mm. but some people just go, 
actually, if I can get in, get that thing that I want, and you make it so much quicker, mm. and I don't have to wait, mm. and I'm in and I'm out in <clears throat> 10 seconds flat, yeah. that's a great customer experience to me as well. You're exactly. That's the way the iconic think, for example. We've done a bit of work with them over the years, and um, the uh, CEO is now the global CEO, Patrick Schmidt. He would talk about, we want our customer experience to be so convenient and so frictionless that people think it's awesome mm. and that that is. But I think there's that thing of, we, we think a lot about shopping modes. Sometimes people want to shop fast. Sometimes yeah. people want to shop slow. So it depends on what kind of customer you're serving. Mm. And a great customer experience could just be a, get the fuck out of my way. Like it's convenient, fast, cheap, great customer experience. And I think too often at these conferences and stuff, we poo-poo that kind of experience. But it's, yeah. we shouldn't. That's got a role for sure. Absolutely. And the, the Iconic, I think, is a great example of that. Yeah, I think they're doing some fantastic stuff isn't mm. it? around purpose, around convenience, around they're, mm. they're really tying it together a lot well, of they really, pieces. They really grew out of super convenience. Mm. It was pioneer two-hour delivery, um, you know, great returns process, mm. big range, easy to search. So that was where they started. And they're trying to round that out now with more purpose, more humanity, more something to yes. believe in, you know, which is smart. And Amazon's the same, started super convenient. They're trying to innovate more into you know more engaging customer experience and i think you know some of the high um experience retailers are trying to get more efficient that's all cool but i think you know just really recognizing that you just got to nail your shopping mode that you're relevant Mm. in and and that's the name of the game really klana recently conducted a study of australian shoppers they found that 40 percent are more likely to shop with a retailer who offer flexible payment options such as letting people pay in installments. And it makes sense, right? In today's unpredictable economy, empowering customers with financial choice is critical to maximizing your online sales. To read more about this research and understand how you can offer Klarna's payment options, download the free report, The Empowerment Economy from Klarna. Visit klarna.com.au forward slash empower. Is there anything that pinpoints for you the types of experience that customers are searching for for your brand? Like, I mean, you've got a gut feeling, right, Mm. around it. Um, But is there anything quantitative that you come across or ways to to, to understand? I hate your question. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Um, I'm going to end the podcast right there. That's a dangerous question. I don't like to answer those sorts of questions because it so depends on the category, the customer, and that's sort of a bit of a silver bullet kind of... It's all about um, silver bullets. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, um, yeah, so not really. But for me, it's kind of like, yeah, understand the humans that you're dealing with and then just be creative and innovative Mm. and awesome. Be attractive Mm. and... And you'll you'll win. You know, I think there are different sorts of people that are attracted to retail. You know, you get the really analytical people um, who um, set their financial goals and then they innovate hard, innovate smart to try and hit those goals. Or you get the kind of creatively led people who are just on a mission. Hmm. Although we're talking about Peter from Lush before. Um, I don't know her very well at all, but um, I get the sense that she's a very creatively led person and the numbers follow. Mm. I think both approaches um, are valid and um, it's just a kind of a thing of working out your style, really. Where do you see 
we've both, we've both got ad agency backgrounds. Yeah. Where do you see the role of ad agencies in this whole creative process for retail? Because retail can be its own type of beast at times, yeah. like yeah. any industry can, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Um, what role do you see ad agencies playing? Yeah. In yeah. that. Um, I think I think it's I think times are exciting for yeah. creative businesses like ours that are consulting into retailers because I think if you look at the trajectory of retail historically it was about the retailer who could get that product say mm. a case of coke um, onto the gondola end the cheapest and I could sell it for twenty four dollars a case and you could sell it for mm-hmm. twenty three dollars a case you would win that mm. was the job the 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 manufacturer brands like Coca-Cola did all the emotional brand building stuff. The retailer's job was get it in there really mm-hmm. cheap. And that has completely changed now. Mm-hmm. So the supply chain uh, process, sourcing out of China, the whole supply side of retail has been massively commoditized. There's still room for innovation for sure, but massively commoditized. So now it's the competitive edge is on demand mm-hmm. generation. And that's where agencies like us are really good and and useful Mm. so i think retailers are more and more leaning on external people like us who um, thrive in the with these sorts of problems who are inspired at looking at what's happening around the world and all those sorts of things so i think retailers are seeing partners like us as more valuable partners than perhaps it was previously i think you've got to understand if if you're going in in as an ad agency a traditional ad agency yeah you've got to understand the drivers of retail, yeah. right? Because otherwise that'll come back and bite. You could have the most creative mm. idea in the world, yeah. but unless you have those drivers, understand the yeah. drivers behind them, yeah. it's, it'll fall I think, over. I think the other interesting thing too is that retail leaders are actually more creative people are being attracted into retail mm. um, leadership mm. roles. I think of some of the clients that we work with and, you know, it's they're, they're not as focused on the supply chain stuff. They're focused on how do I win more customers or get them to shop more frequently or get them to buy more when they're in the yeah. stores. So I think that bodes pretty well for um, our industry. Yep. Yeah. Now, someone who leads strategy across all of retail, including um, online, in-store, yeah. the rest, how do you see, and I know you're a retail optimist as well. Yeah. Same as me, I'm <laughs> yeah. very much a retail optimist. How do you see consumers using physical stores mm. as part of that mix? Do you think physical stores will continue to be the bread and butter of retail and mm. making up the majority of sales? Mm. Or do you think that they'll kind of become more of a marketing-driven acquisition, mm. brand-building mm. asset? Mm. Good question. Very good question. Um, the answer here, I think, is it will be both. I think um, online has got, um, as in e-commerce specifically, got more upside more penetration in the mix for sure particularly on that kind of shopping fast Mm. kind of area like the kind of high commit like groceries like the marley spoons and hello freshers of the world that are making that sort of um that side of life super convenient um i think physical experiences will possibly get more and more theatrical more like museum you know um almost performance art, like it'll probably go in, in that direction. Mm. But but I think there'll still be, um, and I think there should be, highly functional, mm. con- um, efficient retail spaces as well. What you'll probably lose is that bit in the middle. Yeah. And um, it'll either be like highly experiential, like the Nike flagships around the world, or highly functional, 
you know, like a bunning store. Yes. Kind of thing. Kind of stack it high, sell it low. Yeah, that's right. Stack um, it high, watch it fly kind of that's thing. That's it. But what about what about you in terms of, you know, you coming more from the digital angle? Mm. What do you think is the the role of digital versus stores? I think stores need to be seen as an asset. Yeah. Right? So I think you've essentially got a physical asset there mm. that you can use any way that your customers want yeah. to interact with you. Yeah. Where I get annoyed is when the measure of store success is based on sales per square meter. Mm, mm. And that's a very tangible, mm. great, I could mm. put this much product in and hope to see mm. it fly out the door. Mm. I think what we've seen, especially with retailers like Walmart mm. um, and things, how they're using their click and collect, mm. even um, they launched something where you can buy online and it's not only pick up in store, but they'll use their stores to bring it out to your car so you mm. don't have to turn mm. the engine off. Mm. Mm. Um, to me, that's mm. a really nice way of rethinking mm. what a physical space mm. can be. And then what do you think the digital opportunity is going forward? I think the digital opportunity for that is connecting the experiences. So exactly to your point before, it's work out what is driving your customers mm. to shop with you. And if mm. it is convenience, how do you make that experience more convenient? Because... Mm. Remember, even in super cheap days, um, when we were talking about things like selling oil, mm, right? Mm. If you want to sell oil, and a lot of people are thinking about buying oil maybe on a Friday night mm. or a Saturday morning, mm, mm. very close to mm. the job at hand, mm. trying to sell them online is not worthwhile because mm. sell them online, even though they're browsing online, it probably won't be delivered to them by Monday, Tuesday, mm. Wednesday, mm. and by then it's too late. They've missed mm. their weekend. Mm. So then you've got to rethink that and go, mm. what's the best way to get this mm. in the hands of my customers who might be browsing at the last minute? Mm. How do mm. I get this in their hands mm. on the Saturday morning? Mm. And that's where click and collect and mm. um, same-day delivery, and, and that's not even being inventive around the options. Mm. 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 But mm. how do you physical store to, to connect that experience mm. that Friday night to a Saturday morning? Mm. I think, you know, Digital makes a lot of sense in terms of the functional stuff, you know, mm. like researching product or I've been in store now, I want to buy, boom, I'll buy, yep. put my credit card details in. What about like the experiential side from a digital perspective? Do you think there's opportunity there or? Are you talking in terms like of? inspiring, like yeah. inspiring people or? I think there's a huge opportunity on, you know, where we're talking about the two types of customers that mm. really want convenience and that those who want to be totally part of the experience. Mm. It's a massive opportunity around engagement, whether that is one-on-one mm. -on -one with a retailer. Mm. So, hey, connect me with a specialist in, we were talking about bra fitting up there before, mm. you know, mm. a specialist mm. in that or actually connect me to other customers and make mm. me part of this community because I may not be shopping with you every day mm. and this might actually even be a once every mm. Mm. couple of months, once, mm. a, once a year kind of purchase. Mm. Mm. But hey, I'm going to be talking in these groups constantly yeah. and keep me engaged there. So I think there is a way to do that job there. I don't think the future of online engagement to physical store is going, hey, let's collect the database. Let's mm. find out what Matt's birthday is. And then when he comes in store, mm. let's go, happy birthday, Matt, mm. on a digital screen. Mm. To mm. me, that's mm. not experience. Mm. That's just... Mm customers will see right through that totally. it's not totally. adding any value yeah. to them yeah it's, it's not human no it's yeah, not i know human. i know you've just got my data exactly don't do that exactly yeah. It, yeah. it's it's doing things because we can do them. another example i hate it when you, you're shopping at coles or woolies and on the screen it says like on the screen it mm. says hi my name is josie mm. thanks for shopping i'm like well just you're a human you're right there <laughs> maybe encourage the humans to say there's something screens shouldn't say i reckon exactly yeah, yeah. exactly and and even here it's like 
we're at the Pullman Hotel at the moment and you, you go into your room and it's a nice welcome screen on your TV when you yeah. go in. But it's yeah. been the same TV screen forever and I'm kind of yeah. like, if I've stayed here before, yeah. why yeah. haven't you just got the TV set to the station? Or yeah, right, yeah. The mo- yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's yeah. a real kind of customer yeah. insight yeah. rather than a yeah. personalization, yeah. which is adding the name, value on. Yeah. name on the screen. So yeah. Yeah. I think you're onto a good thing. Yeah. I can't let you leave without asking your opinion on one of the most controversial ads that are going around and which is based on a customer insight. Yeah. The Burger King um, yeah. organic whopper. You've obviously yeah. seen it. Yeah. Um, and for anyone who hasn't seen it, they basically came out with an ad um, based on the fact that they're saying that their um, burgers are, do you call it what? Pre- what? Preservative free. Preservative free. Mm. Preservative free. And the burger is covered in mold. Mm. Mm. So there's kind of two thoughts here mm. is that one, it's a great cut. I think there's general is that it's a great customer insight. It's more mm-hmm. around the execution of it. Mm. That showing a mouldy burger is either really good advertising mm. or really bad advertising. Mm. Mm. Where do you stand on that? Oh, I am massively pro this campaign. Yeah, massively pro. I think it's incredibly brave. So wins on wins on cut through and memorability and buzzworthiness. Everybody's talking about it around the world. So uh, massive win. And I also think a massive dramatisation of preservative-free. I think that people, yes, it's disgusting to to look at. It's not appetising. It breaks all those rules. And there has been some discussion around, oh, it's, you know, advertising kind of, um, you know, showy advertising, but will it actually work? In my mind, I think it will strongly land the punch that um, that that, that product is preservative-free. And so... Um, when you uh, are weighing up the options of uh, Burger King versus Maccas and people are conscious of, you know, preservatives and stuff now. So um, I think in that moment, that Mm. is a pretty powerful visual that's been seared into people's brains that will be remembered. So I think in that decision-making moment, um, it will work. Maybe in the viewing moment, it Mm. might be a bit off-putting, but in the actual decision-making moment, am I going to get a Whopper or a Big Mac? Mm. I think you'll go, well, the, the Whopper's got no preservatives in it so that's a tick let's go that way you don't think Big that wins. it would when you're making that decision of do i put my mouth around this whopper that you'll be picturing the moldy burger i no, i don't i don't i think that it will land very strongly yep. the preservative free thing and that that's that's a, a powerful differentiator mm. yeah i think you know there's a great like david ogilvy quote from years ago um you know he's a very quotable guy but he said um the customer isn't an idiot, um, she's your wife, you know, like she's smart. You know, I think we try to cater to the lowest common denominator <laughs> and it's a massive mistake to do that, yeah. I love it, yeah. I love I love. What's your view, are you pro or con? I'm pro. You're pro. I'm pro. Yeah. Um, obviously, I haven't seen any sales figures. Yeah. Um, I think it's a huge risk and I, I'm just pro risk. Yeah. You know, and I, and I think... You think about marketing in that category. Mm. It's a bloody hard yeah. hard category to market, right? And mm. they've been able to stand out against the much bigger budgets mm. and get that message through. And they mm. actually had something to sell. Mm. So I think they've done a really mm. good job there. Mm. Global CMO there is re- widely regarded as um, you know, one of the best in the world, mm. p- potentially the best in the world. Yeah. Um, so I, th- I follow him. I think he's a, he's a smart operator. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, Matt, thank you very much for your insights around, you know, finding the truth behind customers and then how to turn that into innovation. It's been fantastic. That was fun. That was good. Thanks. Where can people find you and find out more about your work and more about the general store? Oh, you could Google Matt Newell at the general store. You could visit um, thegstore.com.au and have a look at some of our work. 
Thank you very much. Thanks, Nathan. I really love Matt's thinking and the way that he explains how customer understanding doesn't necessarily equal certainty. Research and insights definitely guide us, but at the end of the day, we need to take risks with creative ideas to make real connections. My favorite quote from Matt was, the most valuable research tool is a pair of comfortable shoes. So, true. And in the times of COVID-19, how I miss that. Whether that be browsing a mall, watching customers decide at the moment of truth, or one of my favorites, while on public transport, putting my phone away to watch others on theirs, it gives such reliable insights and it sparks ideas that you never knew were there. I firmly believe that more retailers need to spend less time at their desks and more time connecting with customers and customer service teams. When the world opens back up, make walkarounds a recurring appointment in your calendar. If you like what you've listened to, please leave us a review. For seasoned listeners of podcasts, you are probably sick of hearing it, but it really does make a difference. Also, if you have any feedback or suggestions on how we can make the podcast even better, let me know. I love hearing how we can get better. If you want more behind the scenes, visit addtocart.com.au and subscribe to our email list. We'll alert you when new episodes are released and give you the summarized versions for when you can't listen straight away. Until next time, thanks for listening and keep adding to cart.